NPR Workforce Studio. I don't believe I would have handled the accident as well as I did. I think that extra resiliency. It prepared you for a new fight. It did. Yeah, it, it just a different, different animal. VR Workforce Studio, podcasting the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation through the inspiring stories of people with disabilities who have gone to work. In their position at NASCO As well as the professionals who have helped them. A job and a career. You got to look at how life-changing this is. And the businesses who have filled their talent pipelines with workers that happen to have disabilities. To help expand registered apprenticeship. These are their stories. Because there's such a great story to tell about people with disabilities. Now here is the host of the VR Workforce Studio, Rick Sizemore. Well, Happy New Year and welcome 2021 as we bring you the story of Rob Corbett on today's show. Rob was on a career track in the military working as an investigator with the Department of Defense. Life dramatically and suddenly changed in a snowboarding accident. Rob is standing by to talk with us about how vocational rehabilitation opened a new career pathway for him, not only in his recovery from the accident, but helping him find his way into the classroom in the Manufacturing Technology Training Program as a certified instructor. We also talk with Jim Leach, who started the MTT program as part of the Career Pathways for Individuals with Disabilities grant, which just concluded, and we'll also have a chance to talk with Kate Kagey from CPID about the impact here in Virginia. And now let's welcome Rob Corbett, a manufacturing technology training instructor from the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Yeah, thank you for having me, Rick. It's a pleasure to be uh, with you today and share my story. You know, I had the great honor of hearing you address a leadership group Uh, a couple of years ago, and your story was absolutely spellbinding. If you wouldn't mind, take us back to the time when you were in the military heading for uh, a job as an investigator and things changed because of uh, a tragic accident. From 2012 to 2016, I became a special agent uh, with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, Uh, So they sent me to the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in Glencoe, Georgia, and I went through the the whole 1811 pipeline and became a special agent. And then I I finished out my my military service working with them. So I was a DOD component, but I was also a federal uh, criminal and counterintelligence investigator. You know, I uh, I went on a uh, kind of a evening impromptu uh, snowboarding trip with a friend of mine one evening in December. You know, my wife, she was getting ready to uh, have our, our youngest child in the eight days. We, she had a scheduled uh, cesarean section, so we were, we were waiting on that. And it was kind of my last outing before, you know, jumping right back into, uh, you know, everything in life that, that keeps us kind of busy and, and all the important things. You know, I've been snowboarding for 23 years at that point and just kind of had a fall that it wasn't out of the ordinary. I fractured my fifth and sixth vertebrae in my neck. Yeah, from there, the journey kind of it kind of restarted. You know, I had all these uh, plans, you know. Yeah, you were yeah, on a track so, that changed dramatically. Exactly. And, you know, um, I, I look back on it and I look at the my military experience and the, the, the deployments and the, the training and the schools and 
uh, kind of the experience uh, all together. And I, I look at the the resilience and the adaptability that 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 gave me. I don't I, I don't believe I would have handled uh, the accident as well as I, as I did. You know, it's not to say that there's not rough days, but I think that extra resiliency and that adaptability made it a little bit easier of a transition, especially you know later on. It prepared you for a new fight. It did. Yeah. It, it you know, it, um, just a different, different animal. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. Well, you were, uh, you were involved in this career. You had a, a sledding accident or a snowboarding accident. Uh, you wound mm-hmm. up, uh, in a wheelchair right at a time in your life where your family is just beginning. Uh, take us back to the time when that happened and you realized that vocational rehabilitation might provide a path forward. I thought at first, I said, you know, Rob, your background is in, you know, criminal and and counterintelligence investigative work. You know, why don't you try to go back to work in that realm? So I did. Uh, I put in and I I got a contracted position uh, as an intel analyst about a week into it. I I said, this this isn't going to fit my new lifestyle. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to fit me being in a wheelchair and, and, and having limited mobility. And two, this is kind of different than what I knew. So that kind of threw me off a little bit and it, it kind of scared me away from vocation for a little bit, but I, uh, I had a great team at Wilson workforce, uh, my occupational therapist and my, my physical therapist. And, uh, you know, after going there for outpatient services and seeing the clients, seeing the, the people that go through the center uh, it inspired me. And I was like, you know what, Rob, like maybe your path has to change a little bit and maybe this is where you need to be. And, and I felt like where I was going to give the biggest impact was to find a position as a, as an instructor, uh, at Wilson workforce. And so I pursued it and I, I threw everything at it that I could, you know, I had no prior teaching experience. But what I did have was kind of this uh, jack of all trades, master of none uh, conglomerate of experience throughout my career in the military. And, you know, the stars kind of aligned and I ended up, uh, you know, qualifying for uh, the co-instructor position for manufacturing technologies. And I've been there for a year and a half and it's it's been a great fit. It, it really has aligned with my kind of investigative mindset, my research mindset. Uh, I'm you know from taking that from more of a human level to more of an engineering level. You know, breaking down electrical systems and and the way uh, mechanical systems work and researching all these things. Uh, it it kind of fit. Uh, you know, at first I didn't think it would. Uh, meld together as well as it did, but uh, you know it, it's been a it's been a journey. I've had to relearn some things. I've had to adapt uh, to be able to teach the curriculum and things, but it's worked out well. Tell us about your recent experience in terms of gaining your certification to teach MT one. Yeah, so it, it was in the works for for a little while, and uh, of course, COVID hit, and it. It kind of threw a, a little bit of a wrench in the plans, but the goal was to 
go through the train the trainer course through uh, Manufacturing Skills Institute MSI and uh, become a you know an actual certified MT1 instructor and you know after after going through about three cohorts of assisting with teaching the program and kind of seeing how everything uh, flows and, and lays out and a little bit of the curriculum I decided uh, you know during this kind of lull period right now where we're minimal on students and, and we're kind of in this break. I said, you know, let me go ahead and increase my knowledge, skills, and abilities. Let me better serve my clients and and go through the MSI train the trainer course. So I, I just recently went through the kind of four-day crash course through MSI that allows me to teach the curriculum, be certified as a as a trainer, as a as a proctor, and be able to uh, distribute that curriculum nationwide. And uh, it was a great experience. Uh, Victor Gray at MSI does a great job at pushing out the information, training people uh, as instructors, and then giving his insight uh, and and sharing that, you know, 20, 30 plus years of uh, manufacturing experience. You're in such a unique Uh, position as a person with a significant disability in a teaching role and uh, working with manufacturers in Virginia who may consider hiring uh, our graduates. Uh, what's your message to someone in manufacturing that's not uh, extended an opportunity or has not worked with someone that has a disability? You know, I, I'd say certainly the first and foremost, you, you have to look at the, the knowledge, skills, and abilities that our students are getting uh, through us at WWRC and through MSI and the training that they're going through for the 16-week program. Looking back on it, I, I kind of I translate everything into what I knew prior. And what I knew prior was kind of military structure, military training, and kind of the way we would go through pipelines for different training the knowledge, skills, and abilities and the preparation that we're doing with our students prior to them entering the workforce is top-notch. I mean, from the time they enter the center to uh, their early evaluations to the time they go through the 16-week program, when they're finished, they're ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, I think that's that's valuable. The skill sets that they're touching on, the the soft skills and the things that we're going over, you know, at this point in time when they're when they come out, you know, they're right at that ripe time where they've kind of the norms have set in and they, they understand what's expected. And so they're ready to transition into that that new career field. Oh, absolutely. And uh seeing how they're they're progressing outside of after they leave the center is is just amazing and it inspires me oh. and I, I honestly i can say my whole endeavor into teaching there is it's kind of a selfish thing because as someone with a disability uh i help others with with disabilities to obtain vocation but for me i learn from my students every single day and they help me every single day and that's that's selfishly what I what I take away from it. It's a big collaborative uh, movement. Well, you can call it selfishness if you want. We call it uh, selfless service on your part. 
And so thank you for your service in our wonderful military and for joining the team at Wilson. Uh, Rob Corbett is the MT1 instructor at the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center. It's uh, great to have you on the podcast today and best of luck to you and all you uh, take on in uh, the future. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rick. And uh, it was it was an honor. I appreciate it. You can learn more about the MTT program as well as services offered by the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services. We'll include links in our show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com to Virginia DARS, as well as the MTT program. Well, next on the podcast, a man so famous in the VR and manufacturing community, we had to catch him on the run between his many jobs Jim Leach, former engineer with the Hershey Company, educator, scientist, designer, and the man who in 2016 started what is arguably one of the most successful ventures in vocational rehabilitation in recent years, the MTT program, which has helped scores of people with disabilities develop the skills they need to be successful in manufacturing. Jim, it is great to connect with you. Rick's good to be with you, too. The VCCS, through their annual higher ed conference, which was virtual this year, just gave you an award. Tell us about it. Well, it was unexpected. It was an award, uh, they said, for the years of effort and work that I've put forth in introducing and promoting manufacturing. You're too humble, my friend. You're too humble. You've done many great things. Uh, So deserving uh, of the the award. Well, it it was appreciated, unexpected. And uh, I'm not, I'm not much into awards, but uh, it was appreciated. Presented by the um, uh, college system of Virginia under uh, Dubois, uh, who's head of it and received a little award statue and glass uh, and their thanks for it was three others throughout the state also uh, it's, it's wonderful and uh, we'll have a photograph of that award in our in our show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com but but Jim seriously you've done so much uh, how does it make you feel looking back now at the MTT program and all the accomplishments. I mean, you get calls all the time from students who are working and they credit the program and you in no small way with their success. Well, I appreciate those words and I do. And I appreciate the calls from my former students, clients that we called them at the Wilson Workforce Center. We utilized the MT1 program from the VMA, the Virginia Manufacturers Association in Virginia. And the MT1 program is recognized now, I believe, in about 17 states. It gives people with their resumes an ability to go in, sit down and interview and show accomplishment and specialization in the world of manufacturing. Hey, Jim, nice to have you on the podcast today. Congratulations on your award. Thank you, Rick. CPID has been a multi-year grant from four states, Virginia, Kentucky, Georgia and Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about the grant, you can get a complete description at ed.gov. Just visit the site and search CPID. The bottom line is that over the past few years, these four states have been working in high-demand industry sectors to fill the talent pipelines for business and industry while harnessing the skills of people with disabilities. We uh, have several podcasts in our library at vrworkforcestudio.com on career pathways, And a couple of those, you can hear the staff describing how those programs were implemented in their various states in Georgia, Kentucky, Nebraska, and here in Virginia. 
You can also hear Felipe Luli at RSA talking about the grant. But we're wrapping up CPID, and here to discuss some of what we've learned and where we're headed is Kate Kagey. Kate is the project manager with CPID at the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services, as well as the liaison with the Virginia Manufacturers Association. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you, Rick. I am excited to be here. Yeah, well, you know, RSA stated purpose for the Career Pathways for Individuals with Disabilities grant is to demonstrate promising practices in the use of career pathways in order to improve employment outcomes for individuals with disabilities. It seems like one of the areas Virginia explored was how to help someone get a credential. How did you shift to a career pathways model from the traditional VR training approach? Well, Rick, when we first looked at this, we really wanted to make sure that we realized the candidate's potentials and getting the job that they're qualified for. So we wanted to demonstrate that individuals with disabilities could train and get credentials at the Wilson Workforce Center, also get credentials at a career technical education center at a high school, apprenticeship uh, credential, as well as college. And when we say college, we mean both of community college, an online program, and a university. And we have demonstrated all of those areas. So we're very excited on that. And what we did was we looked at starting out at Wilson as a standard to demonstrate potential. We were able to um, explore career pathways with a hands-on approach to let individuals know what they were looking at and also considering AT on the continuum of services. And what we mean by that is this AT as a training potential, as well as AT in work. And sometimes the AT that you use for work is going to be different from what you'd be using in a um, classroom environment. We went from one industry recognized credential in 2015 to the two in MT, nine in IT, and two in business. We also have four in logistics and six in healthcare. So from this grant, we have had 321 total credential earned. And this does not include foundational credentials like OSHA 10, first aid, and customer service. So we're really excited um, to where we are today from where we started five years ago. Yeah, that's an amazing number of uh, credentials uh, awarded. We, Of course, we had Jim Leach on earlier today, and he still gets calls from uh, mm-hmm. individuals who are in his class or, or out there working with that uh, MT1. So it's exciting to see the impact that uh, CPID has made uh, here in Virginia and to hear about it in other places as well. In essence, you planted the seeds for innovative practices and uh, potential growth here for VR in Virginia. I think so. Um, CPID is defined as a demonstration grant, and that allows us to try out activities that we may not be otherwise able to do. So we have been able to do some exciting work like work with delayed individuals. Um, We had a counselor that we hired and they actually touched 108 individuals. And what we found with the individuals that were undelayed, we found that they were waiting. They were waiting for us to call them um, to, to get services. So it was really exciting to see that we could actually work with those individuals, get them started. And then when they were opened up with VR, they were able to transition right into VR. So that was really exciting. We also have done um, paid internships or paid work experiences. And during this time, we did 14 paid internships in this past year. 
Of those 14 um, paid internships, we've had five individuals um, that are currently employed. Not all of them are employed in the job that they did their internship in, but their internship definitely influenced where they're currently working. And what we found with the paid internships were this this started actually out looking at careers that are difficult to get started in, like IT or medical billing and coding. Um, those were areas that we started out in, and we definitely have demonstrated that this is something that will be exciting. And of course, we'll be moving forward with um, another pilot once CPID is over with, with VR, um, with a paid internship. So that's exciting. We've also done cohort training. Um, and cohort training is a little bit different because we look at training at Wilson as a cohort training. But when we're talking to a community college, um, especially workforce credentials, we're looking at a cohort with them so that we have the benefit of timing the training, not only the timing of when the training is going to occur, but, you know, is it going to be an evening class or a day class to work with our students? And this helps us build a relationship with the instructor. We're able to join the class. We're able to add in extras like an AT overview or participate in the class to address issues that might be popping up that the teacher might you know, reach out to us like a student monopolizing time. So the success of the individuals are higher when we have a cohort like that. And all of those are um, things that we're hoping to move forward with. You know, this whole venture really called on people to come together, build relationships, and something that's sometimes challenging, share resources. So how did you pull all that together? So we definitely shared resources with um, group meetings with DBVI and DARS because we're both under um, the same grant. But we also reached out to our partners. Um, that would be adult education, WIOA, partnerships, all of that. And what we did was we invited them to participate in our activities. We, we had um, over the course of this five years, we've had academies. Um, we've had 39 academies that served 468 students. And we wanted to invite participants um, within the Virginia Career Works to join us and adult ed and so forth. We've had 297 students attend credential fairs. We've had 32 business tours. Um, we've had 17 in-person and virtual career pathway information sessions. And this helped us build those relationships. So it definitely helped build our co-enrollments with DARS and DBVI. Um, we also worked with adult education and with them, we've we've created things like the Bridge to Education program. We've been able to participate in some of their grants, which include trade-related academic training and credential training grouped together. And then we've also worked with the Virginia Career Works. Um, a good example with our partnership down in Hampton, we've actually saved VR about $25,000 in um, training services with our relationship by braiding funding with Virginia Career Works. How did you work with business? We had a variety of ways that we worked with business. Um, one of the initial concepts that was very exciting was a partnership with the Virginia Manufacturers Association. Um, and as you stated at the beginning, I am the, um, the liaison for VMA. And with them, I was actually, my office is actually co-located at their, at their office. So I was able to work with them during the day to understand more of what the needs are for advanced manufacturing across Virginia. And I was also able to participate in different activities like the um, workforce symposium and the town hall meetings that they had and other meetings that they've, that they've had throughout the five years. What was it like working with some of the other states involved in CPID? 
So we really started at the beginning um, with a great opportunity that's called, it's a learning collaborative call is what we called it. And it was quarterly done. And this was been a a great opportunity for us to share information, but it was also at a time um, that the grant started where we were able to focus on um, an interactive approach and help us focus on WIOA concepts with each other. Put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite story? Uh, from your experience in CPID? I do. I um, had a, a young um, gentleman. <laughs> always, always have to do. have a story. Um, this gentleman um, just, he pulled at my heartstrings. I met him actually at the very beginning. Um, he was interested um, in a different field entirely. And he was referred to me for a vocational evaluation in career pathways, just to explore different options, um, because he had a lot of potential. Did the Water Purification Academy, and he it clicked for him. And then he decided that, you know, this is what I want to do. And he went ahead and he got into the MTT program, the uh, Manufacturing Technician Training, and he completed that training program. He applied to the uh, shipyard and he's working down there. And what was really exciting was how proud he was with everything that he did. Um, And he got his driver's license while he was up at Wilson and he's um, he's bought a car, um, doesn't drive on the highway yet, um, <laughs> but he'll get there. Thanks for being on our podcast today, Kate. Thank you for having me. Kate Kegge served as the project manager for CPID during the final phases of the grant. Special thanks to the entire team that implemented CPID here in Virginia and in other states. You can hear more from them about CPID in our library at vrworkforcestudio.com, including interviews with Dr. Joe Ashley. Well, it's time for our National Clearinghouse Update with the always entertaining and informative Sherry Takamoto. Sherry, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary! Hey, Rick, happy anniversary to us. Absolutely. (laughs) It's hard to believe that it's been three years since that first time I stepped into the VR Workforce Studio podcast. I tell you, and you've been a terrific, terrific addition to this VR Workforce team. I hear you have some greatest hits for us today. Yes, I do. The top hits. Begin countdown. First, starting with number six, was last year we highlighted the 100th anniversary of VR, and the top hits were your 100th anniversary Centuries of Success video and a history of VR that um, hopefully educators are going to share in their classes. Number five, accessibility resources. We revamped this page so that it's easier for newbies, and um, we're so happy that folks are using it to make their materials accessible because, as you know, that's the name of the game. Number four, the RSA-funded assistance and other resources. These are links that folks bookmark so that they can find RSA, the TA centers, RSA-funded projects, the federal WIOA partners, and other important VR-related organizations. And number three, RSATA in Demonstration Projects Virtual Series. This is where the RSA-funded projects got to show the return on investment of what RSA has granted over the last few years. Number two, speaking of grants, is where folks went to find the RSA discretionary grant information so they could apply for RSA grants. And 
number one for the RSA and Technical Assistance Center events. This is where folks have kept up, gotten their CRC, CEUs, and other credits, and just stayed on top of what's going on through the um, webinars and, and on-demand and archived webinars of what's going on in VR, particularly from RSA and the Technical Assistance Centers. What an awesome list of important resources. Save the link in the show notes for this episode. You'll always be going there to have easy access right to the Clearinghouse. Sherry, thanks uh, to you and the team at the National Clearinghouse for all the work that you do. And thank you. We love sharing what's latest and greatest, but I love even more hearing about how this all works in practice with the VR Workforce Studio podcast. Love this partnership. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. Sherry Takamoto directs the National Clearinghouse for Rehabilitation Training Materials. Here's Lynn Harris, director of the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation. The Foundation is so pleased to bring you these exciting stories of how vocational rehabilitation is changing people's lives by helping them gain the skills and credentials they need to be successful in business and industry. We thank all of our partners in podcasting who made this episode possible. Able Now, Bradford Staffing, the Council of State Administrators of Vocational Rehabilitation, the Community Foundation of the Central Blue Ridge, CVS Health, the Hershey Company, and United Bank. You can find out more by visiting us at wwrcf.org or find our contact information in the show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com. You can always find another exciting episode as we podcast the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation here at the VR Workforce Studio. Until next time, I'm Rick Sizemore. The VR Workforce Studio podcast is owned and operated by the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation. The foundation publishes and distributes the VR Workforce Studio and manages all sponsor arrangements. Audio content for the podcast is provided to the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation by the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services in exchange for promotional considerations.